It's a good start, isn't it? Hey, do you know what? If you, if you come here in this area, just late afternoon, just before it gets dark, you will see a wonderful spectacle of nature. Won't they? It's wonderful. There is um, a thing called a murmuration of starlings. You might have seen it on the television, huge flocks. It's not huge, huge, but it's a pretty darn good murmuration. If you just stand and look out over the circle, there are these birds that go whoosh, and they're big clouds, they do different shapes, and then they go in some fir trees behind the flats there, and they all go, zoom, like, a, like sand going through an egg timer. And they all go into the trees, and they roost for the night. That's it. But it's well worth coming and seeing, because it is brilliant. Who's seen it? Yeah, isn't it great? See, I'm not making it up. It's real. It's real. So I promised you a couple of weeks ago that I'd talk to you about birds. And I do want to talk to you a little bit about birds this morning. um, Because I think this is a message God's given to me for quite a while now. And there's a lot of background to it. But the nub of it is how we drive the birds away. Sometimes you need to do that. Let me read to you from uh, Genesis chapter 15. Now, there's three things here that God made Abraham a promise. He was called Abram at this time. That's another story. But he became Abraham. And Abraham prepared for that promise to be outworked, and then God sealed it with a a covenant, which I'll talk about in a moment. In, In Genesis 15, it says that the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid. I'm your shield your great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Yeah. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your your heir. It's going to be someone from your own flesh and blood. And he took him outside and he said, look up, at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them and he said to him so shall your offspring be whoa Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness Abram wasn't anybody special except that God chose him and because Abram believed the promise that God gave to him, he was given righteousness. God considered him righteous because he had faith. He believed. So then he said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. And Abram brought them. He cut them into two, arranged the halves opposite each other, and the birds, however, he didn't cut in half. Now, what he did, he got all these dead animals, and he cut them in half, and he put them out on the ground. Bit odd, eh? But that's what he did. I'll explain a bit about that in a moment. And he put them on the ground, and it says, Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. 
But in verse 17, when the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to him, Your descendants, to your descendants, I give you this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the river Euphrates and all that other stuff. I'm going to give it to you. So he gave him a promise. You are going to have descendants. And Abraham believed him. You see, Abraham was getting on, getting on. He was, he was an old man by this time. But you know, he sang that song that we sang this morning. Through you, I can do all things. Nothing is impossible. He was a man of faith and he was way over the hill. But God still had a future for him and he still had descendants for him. And so he told him, prepare these dead animals, put them out there, and then we see that there was this smoking fire pot that walked between the bits of the dead animal. That's the end of what I'm going to say this morning, and I've finished. Now, you don't know what all that is about, do you? So I'd better give you a bit more background, I feel. You see, Abram was a, a very significant person in the Bible. He is significant. Um, He's a key person because how God dealt with Abram or Abraham is a, a pattern really, a key to how he works and meets with people today. You know, a relationship with God is simply that it's a relationship. It is not to do with law and legalism. Moses was given the law Hundreds of years later, thousands of years, whatever, later on than this, but the very real purpose of God is this, that through faith, a man, a woman, can have fellowship and relationship with God. And that was the principle that God put into practice with Abraham. He believed him, and so he counted him as righteous. It's a pattern of God's work in today. He was chosen by God, by grace, to be a father of a new spiritual people. You know, God didn't, we didn't choose him, he chose us. God chose Abram. And from his life, that template of righteousness being by faith was set. Abraham, when he was called to go to a place, he would later receive his inheritance, he obeyed and went. It tells us that in Hebrews chapter 11. And in the context of having no hope or way ahead, Due to his great age, God promised that he would be the father of a multitude of heirs. And what did he do? He took him outside, count the stars, and that's what it's going to be like. And so Abraham believed him, and it was credited to him for righteousness. If you look in Romans chapter 4, in verse 18, it says, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. Wow. And that Sarah's room was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief, but he got the promise. Can I say that whatever situation you are in with God, it is not impossible to come out of it and through the other side. And I tell you, if you put your faith and trust in him, he will not only bring you through, but he will bless your life because faith in him brings righteousness. Not by our works, but by trusting in him. And so... 
God made this promise and cheeky Abram said to him, how can I know? How can I know? I'm God, I've just told you so. (laughs) But in verse 8 of what I read, so what he did, he was very gracious, he confirmed his promise by making what we call a covenant. A covenant is more than just a contract. If you buy a house or something or you buy a car or something or or a, a, a credit agreement, you make a contract. This is far more than that. This was a divine covenant which is much deeper and much more meaningful. It's something that has no wriggle out of. It is set. It's set. You know, the New Testament and the Old Testament, you can call those the New Covenant and the Old Covenant. God set promises the New Testament, the New Covenant in Jesus fulfilled the Old and kind of overtook it. And here, he set a covenant with Abram that he would know. Um, people do covenants, this is what they did. Two parties would make a covenant. And what they'd do, they'd get an animal and they'd cut it into pieces. And then what they do, they lay it on the ground and then they, they used to walk through it like this. Right? This dead animal, poor thing, and I want you to know that we're making a promise, a covenant with each other, and if I break this covenant, what you're saying is, may I be like this animal? <laughs> that was how, that's how strong, strong it was. Told by God, go and get these, the, the cow, the goat, the whatever it is, the animals, lay them out on the ground, because I'm going to, we're going to have a covenant. Now, it was his responsibility to prepare the animals for God's presence to walk through. And the very interesting thing is this. It says that a a fire pot, it was God's presence, walked in between the carcasses, but Abraham didn't. It was God's covenant with him. It was God's promise with him. And do you know something? Jesus Christ died on the cross and fulfilled a covenant that we could never live up to. He did it on his own. We didn't have to die because Jesus died. The blood of those animals were there on the ground so that God could walk through those carcasses and say, If I break this covenant, may this be me. And do you know what? It was fulfilled that it actually his son who died on the cross and shed his blood so that through faith in him we might be made righteous, forgiven and set free by the blood. Isn't that exciting? God did it here and God fulfilled it through Jesus on the cross, which is why we are here today. We have a covenant of righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ like it was full, like it was prefigured here. You know, he was told, prepare these animals because I want you to create a place and a space for me to move. The space and the place that God wanted to move in was in between the carcasses. You know, I really believe that God wants you and me to provide a place and a space 
him to move in our lives based on his covenant of love to us, based on the relationship we have through faith in Jesus. He wants that place and that space where he can move. So he did it. He set it all out. But as he set it all out, he had a bit of problem. Can you just show a picture of uh, the, the, the film? Now, who feeds the birds in their garden? Anybody? What do you get? What, what do you get? Goldfinches. Blue tits. Long-tailed tits. I bet you get these. These are red kites. Look at that. That's in somebody's garden. I don't know how they managed to fly that slowly, but they're jolly good. Whoa, missed. Look at that. Now, my mate lives in Aylesbury, and he's got those flying over his house, and some of the people, neighbours and that, put meat and bones and chicken stuff out in the garden, and they come in and they grab it like that. You know, if you imagine that that is the carcasses that Abraham set out. The moment he set them out, what happened was that birds of prey came down to nick it. Okay, that's all the excitement for now, thanks. You've you're got starlings, you've got red kites. That's the, I'm enjoying myself, I don't know about you lot. <laughs> He was told to lay them out and then the birds of prey came down. But it says there in, in, verse, in verse 11, then the birds of prey came down to the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. Now, so what? How does that affect your life right now? I'll tell you why. You see, we are people of the promise. The sacrifice, that, as I've already said, wasn't about animals, it's about Jesus. In the Bible, it says that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he has given us great and precious promises. Now, through Jesus, we have promises. Promises of forgiveness, promises of eternal life, promises of God's grace, promises of his provision and his love and his life and the stuff that he gives us. And, and also, as you get to know Jesus, he can make promises to you. He has a purpose for you, 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 and you, and you, different from me and the, and the other person sitting next to you. There are promises that God makes, leads us into, and those promises, aren't based on us being good enough. They're based on us having a relationship with God through Jesus and giving him space and place in our lives. You know what? If Abram hadn't driven the birds of prey away that were doing that, then he'd have come out and God's presence would have come down and thought, hang on, was it all gone? The birds have stolen it. You can't blame them. They're birds of prey. They eat meat. 
But do you know something? Whatever God wants to do in your life, whatever he wants to establish in you, there is always going to be a spiritual enemy that wants to take it away. And so we have to drive the birds of prey away, the spiritual enemies away, the lies of the devil that come, the discouragements that come, and the things that would rob us of God's blessed. We have to drive those away in order to prevent preserve the space and the place that God can move in our lives. Does that make sense? You see, the Bible's full of examples of people who've been robbed. You know, 1 Timothy 1.19, it talks about holding on to faith and a good conscience. Timothy, you do that. Which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. They didn't guard what God had done in their lives and a bird of prey came along and nicked it. Esau. Esau in the Bible. Jacob and Esau, two brothers. Talk about a dysfunctional family, but they were brothers. And we all know that, well, you know, you might know, because not everyone knows all these stories, do you? Why should you? Some of you do, some of you don't. I love the fact that there are new people in here who haven't got a clue about some of this. Isn't it great? I had somebody said to me once, you know, when you stand up there and talk, I have no clue what you're on about. <laughs> Didn't you, Amy? <laughs> but you're getting, you're getting there, aren't you? You're getting She's reading the Bible. She's, she's asking questions. You're getting there, aren't you? Yeah. Right answer. Good. <laughs> but why would she know about Jacob and Esau? I saw Esau sitting on a seesaw. That's all she knows. But Esau and Jacob were brothers. Esau was the older brother. And Jacob was a bit of a dishonest man, really. He, and, but he took advantage of Esau's weakness. Now, Esau was the firstborn, so he had the birthright from his dad. He had all the rights of the firstborn son. He was like the heir to the throne, if you like. He came in hungry, and he wanted some of the, the food that Jacob was eating. And, he, and Jacob said, if you sell me your birthright, you can have this. And he did. For a bowl of Heinz. Ridiculous. Now, you think, well, that, that's all kind of, it wasn't real. It was real because spiritually he allowed a kind of a, a disregard to God's promise to ru- ruin his future. This bird of prey came, just nicked a bit of carcass and away he went. And he took away something that God could move in in his life. Um, king Saul. He was an anointed king. He was, it says, I always think of Dan, um, dandruff busting shampoo. It says he was head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel. It says that, head and shoulders. He was Vosine. He, he, he was a big man and he was a mighty king. And he looked, he looked like a king. I'm Saul, King Saul. And, um, but he had some character flaws. He was more concerned about what people thought about him than he, what God thought about him. He disobeyed God. He was more concerned about saving face than being obedient. You know, the Bible tells us that the fear of man is a snare. And if we try and please people at the expense of pleasing God, we allow a bird of prey to behind our back just nick another bit. See? And then, of course, there's 
a chap called Demas, D-E-M-A-S, Demas. He's in the New Testament and he was a colleague of the Apostle Paul. He was a fellow worker with him. And there's three, there's three uh, references to Demas. Two of the references are, you know, he's my mate and he's my fellow worker. And yeah, Demas sends his greetings and Demas says, watcha, that sort of thing. And Demas, Demas three, the two of them, is, is Demas is there, you know. But then there's another verse in 2 Timothy 4.10. And it says this. This is tragic. For Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me. What? He's gone to Thessalonica. And this other guy, Crescens, has gone to Galatia. And Titus, well, he went to Dalmatia. But Demas has deserted me because he loved the world. He was distracted by stuff, by things, by a better offer over here. And you know what? Countless Christians have allowed the space and the place of God's work in their lives, the sacrifice that Jesus has given us, to be robbed because our have been somewhere else. Really. And of course, Judas Iscariot loved money too much, so he got 40 pieces of silver to dis to uh, betray Jesus. And then there's the parable of the man who had a talent, only one, but he didn't put it into practice. He was complacent and he just buried it. He couldn't care less. Do you know, God doesn't want us just to agree with him. He wants us to invest our lives in him. Otherwise, it's not that we're doing something bad. It's just that we're not keeping the birds away. You know, we're, we're kind of just, yeah, I've laid it all out. That's it, God, thank you for that. I'm just going to watch the telly now. And all you come out again, it's all gone. And when God's presence comes there, where am I going to work? What, what is, hey, what am I going to do? Where can I start to work in your life? You've got to start all over again. Okay. In each case, the people were robbed by God's, of, of God's best, had some weakness in their relationship with God. You know, they were either, they didn't care enough, they cared more about what people thought, they were distracted, they showed disregard, they were greedy, whatever. And so the key to it really is this, that Abraham realised that he had prepared for a vital God moment in his life. He prepared the carcasses and now he was guarding them and nothing's going to get in the way of God meeting with me so those rotten birds of prey can get lost. Bible says that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. Come, give yourself to God. Resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. Yeah. Don't let the sun go down. Here's a good one for married couples. Don't let the sun go down when you're still angry, because you will give the enemy a foothold. Principle: If you have an eye, salt it. Make her realise that she was wrong. Sort it out. (laughs) Sort it out and then go to bed in peace and don't wake up with it. (laughs) Do you know, yeah, a lady was asked, once she said, I said, What do you do if you wake up grumpy in the morning? 
And she said, I just let him go back to sleep again. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. We don't let the enemy have a foothold. And this isn't some kind of, you've got to be perfect and you don't get it wrong. You mustn't get it wrong. We get it wrong. David got it wrong. Badly wrong. He committed adultery. He killed somebody. And yet he was described as a man after God's heart. Why? Because he was totally repentant. He had a total relationship with God. He slipped up. Slipped up. He messed up. Mega. And yet God forgave him. He wasn't like Saul who just tried to cover it up. He remained. He maintained that, that, um, that space and place for God to move in his life. Just, just one thing. You notice those red kites, those birds there, they didn't come down like pigeons and just go, oh, 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 it's gone. They came down, swooped down, grabbed a bit and went. And another one swooped down and grabbed a bit. Do you know, when the enemy robs us of our spiritual blessings or the best that God can do, because he leads us in a bit of bad behavior, we succumb to temptation, we don't, we're not vigilant in guarding what God's done in our lives. It doesn't just all happen in like that. It comes a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, you lose, you lose focus on God in that bit. And before you know it, you've got, oh my goodness, what's happened to my spiritual walk with God? Lord, how much landing ground am I giving you in my life? It's all going. How did that happen? Bit by bit. We're called to build relationships with God. Timothy was told, guard what's been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what's falsely called knowledge. Yeah? Um, guard the good deposit that was entrusted you. And in 2 Peter 3.18, this is what I like. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. What a good thing. How do I grow in him? You talk to him. You walk with him. You hear what he says. You develop what I said the other week, good habits of how you walk and talk with the Lord and, 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 and the things that we do. And he will build you and you will guard against the birds of prey that would come and rob us. Let's be faithful with our talents and gifts. You know, sometimes we are used by God in a certain way and then we let it drop. Yeah? I remember I, I, I was used by the Lord to prophesy. Great. When was that? Oh, 1963. Well, what's happened since then? As Timothy was told, fan into flame the gift that God has given you. Because God wants to use your gifts, your talents, your personality. You, he wants you to be committed to him. Not because Dave's with a black book checking you in and out on a Sunday, but because in your daily lives, you want to walk with God. Know his covenant fulfilled powerfully and for the best in your life. And knowing him. Fan into flame the gift. Operate by faith. Live your life for him.
So, I finished by saying this, that the birds away, that would have taken the space and the place where God wanted to walk and inhabit to define his future. There are certain things in our lives that we need to drive away sometimes that will rob us of the space and the place that God has called us to establish in our lives for him where we let other things come in and take what is there for God. This isn't some legalistic heavy thing. This is a relational thing. You know if you're married, if you let things come between you and your other half, every relationship, if it's compromised, it breaks down. But it will never break down from God's side. We're the one who lets him down. He's always there. Now Jesus told a parable, didn't he, about some seed that was sown. In Luke chapter 8, it says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. It's more birds again. I don't know what species these are. We've had starlings, we've had red kites, we've had birds of prey, and indeterminate birds that ate the seeds. He goes on to different types of seed. That was, but I'm talking about birds this morning. And, and the disciples, a few verses on, said, what's all that about, Jesus? And Jesus said, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. And those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Do you notice for birds, we need devil. Birds of prey that steal, that need to be guarded against, that need to be driven away. God loves his life in each one of our lives. And there's a whole flock of birds just trying to nick it and take away the place where God wants to work and move in our lives. God's made promises to our church. God's made promises to us and he's got a future for the church. And you know, by his grace, we're not going to do anything bad, but we're also not going to allow anything. You know, know, a culture and, and, and a church character and, and what defines us isn't just whether we do things wrong or not, it's whether we allow things that need to be challenged. So we need to do that. We need to drive stuff away, attitudes, bad things. And for you, personally, what does God want to do with you? What is, what is his vision for your life? You might not know. But what you do need to do is just prepare the place where he can meet with you. And then when the birds of prey come drive them away you don't belong here this is me and God you go to somebody's garden in Aylesbury and nick all the stuff that's on the lawn because you ain't having this what are the birds of prey it could be compromise it could be fear it could, could be distraction it could be wrong relationships it could be a million and one things. You know, 